please take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, we'll look at a, a verse in a moment. You're going to be very familiar with it. But, at, but as we're leading up to that, let me just ask you a couple questions. Do you ever marvel, have you ever sat down and marveled at the possibilities of the human body and the opportunities of the human mind? And what I'm talking about is, if, have you ever thought about the things that the mind and the body can do? I mean, you, it's interesting because you can be extremely tired. You can lay down on the bed at night and sleep uh, six, seven, eight hours and wake up and be totally refreshed. It's just the most marvelous thing to think about that. Or you think about the idea that, uh, that, you, that we can even see. Now, I'm getting to the point where I really appreciate it because when I take these off, it, it's not as good as it used to be. But it just absolutely amazes me at the things that the human body can do. We can run, and at least some of us can run, and we can jump, and we can rest and sleep and see and hear, and we can do all these wonderful things. And God's designed our body to do that. And there's a lot of things that we can do physically. But if you set that aside, just imagine the things that God allows us to do, particularly as Americans. I mean, Christmas morning, we got in the car and drove halfway across the country. And we're free in our name. I mean, we can get in the car and you can drive basically anywhere you want to in our country. And we're free to do that. You can get on an airplane, in, in a couple hours you can be in Jamaica, laying on the beach. A couple hours you can be in the mountains somewhere skiing. It just blows my mind that we have the freedom to do so many things. You can get married and start a family. You can go to college, get an education and, and change your station in life. It, it just, it amazes me that God's given us so many things that we can do and God's given us so many opportunities and God's given so many privileges to each of us that we, sometimes we just take it for granted. Rare is the time when we sit down and just think about, man, look what God lets me do. Look what God's given to me. Now I've wondered, what if, and this is kind of an odd thought, but in light of all that, what if, what if we could only do one thing? I mean, of all the things that God allows us to do, and I'm not talking about the physical, but just the choices. What if we had to choose one? And God just said to you one day, Mike, or whatever you, whoever you are, God said to you, you can only do one thing. You need to decide what that is. What would that be? Now, in light of that, I want us to think about one thing. Now, obviously, God's not going to say that, I don't believe. But I want us to think about that because Jesus, in the, in the midst of a conversation, Jesus shared an extremely, extremely important principle. Let me kind of set it up for you. I need to set up the conversation before we read about it. Uh, there was a group there. There were two groups. There were Pharisees and there were Sadducees. And if you know anything about... Uh, church history and in Jewish history, the Sadducees were a sect of Judaism. They were different than the Pharisees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so Jesus having this conversation, 
And one of them says, uh, teacher, uh, if a man gets married and he dies before he has any kids and his brother marries his wife and then he dies before he has any kids and goes through this long thing. There's seven brothers and they all marry the wife because she never has kids and finally the wife dies. You know, odd story. Bless her heart. You know, if I was the fourth brother, I think I'd have said no. <laughs> After three, I'm thinking the third time's a charm. But they said, so Jesus, tell me, who's she going to be married to in the resurrection? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus said, it is funny because he said, you're badly mistaken. You don't know the scripture. And then he goes on to tell him, well, a Pharisee, I think, heard that conversation. And he thought, Jesus is a pretty sharp guy. And so the Pharisee then asked him this question. He says, Lord, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Now to us it seems kind of simple because there were only ten, right? There was, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me and, you know, you go down the list. But in reality, to the Jewish person, there wasn't only ten commandments. The Pharisees had developed a list, 613 commandments. And I was reading back through that, and I kind of knew this, but there's 248, according to John MacArthur, 248 of those commandments were positive, one for every part of the human body. And then they had 365 negative commandments, one for every day of the year. And so they, can you, what a to-do list, 613 things. You, you got 200 and some of them, things you got to do, and then 360 odd things that you can't do. And so this guy says, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest one? And then Jesus kind of sums it up in Mark 12, verse 30. Let's look at that real quickly. Hey, you know it, but we're going to, uh, we're going to read it anyway. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that in these next few minutes that you'd open your word to us and open our hearts to your word that we might understand Not just what this commandment is, but why we need to do it. And then as the time unfolds, how we love you with all of our hearts. So God, come and meet with us. It's my prayer. And we'll honor you and give you the glory for it all. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, again, I don't suppose God would ever ask or require us to do only one thing. There's no scriptural evidence that God would say... You can only do one thing. But I do believe, in fact, I know based on the authority of Scripture, God does expect us to evaluate our life and decide what is the most important thing. And then we're going to be accountable to Him for doing what's most important. Therefore, as we kick off another year, as we kick off a new year, I want us to think about what is the one important thing that we ought to to do. And I remember uh, several years ago, it's probably been 20 years ago now, and, and I may have shared this with you, and if I do, I apologize, but I, I want to 
share the story again. Uh, I was at a youth camp. We had an, a, a speaker come in, and we wound up inviting him to our church. But I remember uh, one day he stood up on the platform, and he made this statement. He said, all things considered, you can do anything you want to do. And when he said that, I thought, I don't know if that's true. And then he said it again. He said, all things considered, you can do anything you want to do. But you can't do everything. Now, I'm theologically and practically, I'm not sure you can do anything you want to do. I, I don't know that all of us could be president. In fact, I don't know many of us that would want to be president. I'm pretty sure not all of us could be Johnny Football for one game. I'd like to. I don't believe that can happen. So I don't believe all things considered we can do anything you want to do. But he's absolutely right. I am certain you can't do everything. And I can't do everything. And so we've got to decide what is the most important thing for us to do. Now it was only about, it was probably only a year or so later after we heard that conversation. Our church went through a study. Some of you have been through it by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And as we went through uh, that uh, study, he talked about how God pursues a love relationship with us. That the God of heaven, the God of the universe, pursues, longs for, wants a love relationship with you and with me. Now, in the context of that, he talked about a guy that was having trouble in his church. And so Blackaby goes to this guy and he says, listen, he says, he says, can I ask you a question? And the guy says, sure. And he says, he says, do you love God? Do you love God? Can you describe your relationship with God as I love God? And the guy said, he got this really weird look on his face, Blackaby said, and he said, you know, I, I serve God. I give to God, I honor God, I sing to God. But he said, I don't know that I really love God. And yet Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment that you and I have is to love God. And so as we kick, as we begin this new year, I want us to wrap our hands around this idea of of, of loving God because what a profound question. Imagine if someone were to look you in the face or if someone were to look me in the face and someone just point blank were, were to ask us, do you love God? That's pretty personal. It's pretty profound. And yet Blackaby goes on in his work. He, goes, he says this, he makes this observation. He said, everything depends on this. He said, everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing him and experiencing him, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship with God. He goes on to say, if it is not right, then nothing in your life will be right. If you and I are believers in Jesus Christ and our love relationship with God is not right, then nothing else can be right. And then right before Christmas, I was reading this book uh, by Joe Rosenberg called Implosion. And in it, he was talking about the different great awakenings. And he, he reintroduced me to an evangelist of the, of the 18th century called Charles Finney. You've heard of him probably. Uh, but Charles Finley, Finney, in some of his work, he talks about this love relationship. And, and if, if, it's, 
if the idea of someone asking us, do we love God, is a profound question, listen to what he says about love, because this really convicted my heart. He says an essential feature in the character of this love that we're to have for God is that it be supreme, else it cannot be right. So the question really becomes not simply, do you and I love God? Do we love God? But do we love God supremely? That's a hard question. But that's a biblical question. Do we love God supremely? Because the Bible says, if you'll turn to Colossians 1.18, in his description of the majesty and glory of the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Paul makes this observation in Colossians 1.18. He says, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. The supremacy. Now, some translations use the term preeminence. But at, at issue there, is that Jesus has first place. When it comes to my love, when it comes to your love, does Jesus Christ have first place? Does he have supremacy and preeminence in our life? That's the question that I want us to wrestle with as we kick off uh, this new year. And so in the little verse that we read Jesus kind of gives us a way to evaluate. He gives us a way to, to check our life and, and be able to say, okay, do you love him with your heart? Do you love him with your soul? Do you love him with your mind? Do you love him with your strength? And so what I want to do for the next few minutes this morning is I want us to, to kind of uncover or unpack these words and try to get our hands around uh, what these four elements of loving God really are. Now, it would be nice if you could just separate them if there was just loving God with your heart and then loving him with your soul and then loving him with your mind and then loving him with your strength but they kind of they kind of run together and I didn't I wanted to ask my wife about this but I didn't because she's a math teacher but if you remember when you when you were first uh learning math you remember they used to have when you were talking about sets they would draw these circles you have one circle a set, and then you have another circle that's a set, and then you'd have two or three circles. Well, then sometimes in those circles, they would overlap, and then you'd have these little groups in the middle. Well, all of these elements overlap. They don't, you don't just love God with your heart. You don't just love God with your soul. You don't just love God with your mind. You don't just love God over here with your, you know, with your strength. They all kind of overlap. And so I want us to unpack and look at what each one of these uh, really might mean here. So first of all, Jesus said that we're to love God with all of our heart. Now, we think of heart, you know, obviously as the, the physical heart, and we think of it the, the emotional, uh, volitional aspect. Well, in, in ancient uh, Eastern thought, both Greek and Hebrew, the idea of the heart was that seed of are that place in our body where where the emotions and also the will reside. It's kind of a connection. Now, we kind of tend to think of the heart as our emotion and passion. 
But in, in ancient thought, it included that along with our will. Or So you might think of the heart being the seat of emotion, but also the seat of volition or will. You know, the volitional will, where we make our choices. And so what Jesus was asking is, do you, do you love God with your will? Do you love him with your volition? Do you make choices in your life that reflect? Your love for God. But it's not just uh, stiff, dry, I'm going to obey God, I'm going to choose this. It's not just the will. It also includes the emotion and the passion. You can't just say, well, I'm going to choose to love God. I'm going to make choices to love God with no emotion and no passion. God expects us to have emotion for Him. God expects us to have passion for Him. Now, a lot of people... um, in the church, believe that you separate. That loving God is a, a choice. And it is because love is a choice. Don't buy into the idea that people fall into love and they fall out of love. That's baloney. You don't fall into love. We may get infatuated with someone, but love is a choice. If you don't believe that's true, read 1 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, beginning about verse 4 down through about verse 8 or 9. There's There's probably 15 different intentional actions that love does. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. But in the context of that, those choices should inspire us uh, to feel. Because see, what happens a lot of times in church, people say, well, well, you know, we come to God to love Him and honor Him and to worship Him. We should come and be stoic. We shouldn't be passionate. We shouldn't uh, express emotion in our love for God. I've heard that. I've had people uh, uh, share that and, and act that way. But, but it's just not scriptural. In fact, a lot of people that think you shouldn't be emotional in church get really emotional when they go to the to stadium. And the same guy that says you've got to sit in church and you shouldn't clap, when they're in the stadium... Man, they yell and scream and clap and jump. And they do a few other things sometimes too. They question the coach's calls and sometimes his lineage and sometimes his heritage. And then if somebody fumbles, oh me, if, if we're not careful, something slips out. But we get excited and we yell and scream and jump. And, and, but then we come to church the next day. And we go, well, I've got to worship God. And then in, in our ideas, you shouldn't put on a show for God. And I'm not saying that you should put on a show for God, but there ought to be some passion. There ought to be some excitement. Someone gets baptized, we, we ought to get excited about that. When someone's lives have been changed, we ought to get excited about that. The fact that our lives have been changed, the fact that Jesus still saves, should emote some, some passion in us. It should. And if it doesn't, we need to check what's going on in our heart. Because it's amazing. There are people that they don't even go to the university. And they'll drive up and they'll pay, they'll drive a couple hours to go to a game and they'll pay $60, $70, $80 for a ticket and they'll buy a $5 Coke and a $6 hot dog and $8 nachos and they'll stand and they'll yell and they'll scream and they'll jump up and down and they'll do all this stuff and then they show up at church and they don't want to get excited about anything. They're like, bless me if you can. And you better hurry because I'm leaving early. 
We go to a football game. We, you know, if your team's behind, you just hope it gets to overtime. But not in church. If we go into overtime here, woe is me. <laughs> Honey, uh, we got the family's meeting us at Mima's. Get your stuff. We got to go. We sneak out. And here's what I'm saying is, listen, when we love God with our heart, we're choosing to love Him, but there should be some passion and some excitement. Jesus said you ought to love God with your heart. But it's not just loving Him with your heart. The Scripture says we should love Him with our soul. Now, uh, when we look at that that word soul, it it highlights our life as a whole. And it should be distinguished from the body, even though in in Matthew uh, 10, verse 28, listen to what uh, Jesus kind of made a distinction there between the body and the soul. If you'll notice there with me, verse 28 says, uh, it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so here's the reason I point that scripture out is I want you to understand there's a difference in your body and in your soul. Because your body is going to wear out. Can I get a witness? Yeah. It's going to wear out. Some sooner than others, sooner or later. The body, you know, it's, it's just, that's the way it is. But the soul exists forever. And so your body and my body, one day our flesh is going to die. One day, the, you know, our heart is going to stop. If Jesus tarries, your heart is going to stop beating, uh, you're going to stop breathing, and your brain is going to stop functioning physically. But your soul is going to exist for eternity. Either in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. That is so clearly taught in Scripture. And so if you're going to love God with your soul, you've got to come alive spiritually. And so to love God with our soul means that we've got to be alive in our soul. And the only way to be alive in our soul, the Bible teaches, is to be born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so if you're not spiritually born, you're not going to go to heaven. Even if you're Baptist. Even if you're faithful to church and good Sunday school attender or a good Methodist or, or a good Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. If your soul is not made alive in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, you're not going to spend eternity in heaven. And so if you're going to love God, you've got to know Him. And if you're going to know Him, you've got to be alive. And if you're going to be alive, the Bible says you've got to give your life to Jesus. In fact, the Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But if you're going to love him with your soul, you've got to know him. And God's, there's, there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe this morning you realize you, you've been a churchgoer your whole life, but you've never totally surrendered your life to Jesus. I would encourage you today to give your life to Christ. 
because if you're going to love him with your soul, you've got to be born again. So when we love God with our heart, we love him emotionally and volitionally. When we love him with our soul, we love him spiritually. But then Jesus said we're to love him with our mind. We're to love him uh, with our mind. Now, obviously, the mind highlights our thinking capacity. And to love God with our mind means that, that we love him mentally or uh, we might even use the term intellectually. But there's an interesting passage over in Second uh, Corinthians. Listen to uh, chapter 10, verse 4. Uh, well, I'll start in verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 3. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now listen to this statement. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And God has this expectation that we love God with our mind. Now there's kind of two parts to that, I guess you might say. Part of loving God with our mind is, is to have a pure mind. And if we're going to have a pure mind, we've got to guard what goes in. Whether what we hear, what we see, what we read, you know, that kind of thing. But there's a, there's a, there's a part of us that we have to guard against. We have to have a, a pure mind. But there's another part of it that's not what we put in. But it's what we dwell on. We gotta, we gotta guard our mind and keep it pure. But then we need to focus our mind on the things of God. Uh, I, I don't, I think I've told you this. A couple years ago, we went down to Florida at Christmas and uh, we're very blessed. God's really blessed us. We've got a little place out in the country. It's on along a little creek bank. And, and uh, so we decided we'd go camping. The weather was kind of nice. And we got a little building there. And my brother had his motor home down there. And so we thought we'd go camping. And we're out there. And we got the fire built and everything. And I decided, since it's a nice clear night and it wasn't going to rain, that I'd just stretch out this, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but I got this little thing that goes between the trees. And I'd just lay out there and get him a sleeping bag and go to sleep by, by the fire. And so I stretched that thing out. And... Uh, Everything got settled and everybody got to where they were going. And the moon begins to come up and begins to shine through the trees. And I'm sitting there. There's no artificial light. And it's crystal clear. And I'm looking up at this moon and the stars around it. And I get to thinking about the scriptures. And, you know, we talked last year, the end of last year in in November, about the majesty of God. And I get to thinking about how my God made that. My Savior stretched out the heavens like a canopy. And he called those stars out and not one of them is missing. And I'm just sitting there thinking about or laying there thinking about the majesty of my God. And if we're going to love God with our mind, there's got to be times when we divorce ourselves from life, the rat race, you know, the technology, the TV and the texting and all those different things. There needs to be a time where we get ourselves away from all of that and we just, 
we just sit or lay however, whatever position you want to get in, and we begin to dwell on the majesty and the glory of God. We just need to bask in his presence. And that's what, that's what Jesus was talking about. That we dwell on him. You know, one of the things that I've, I, I know is true. You know, if, if you love something, you think about it. Did you know that? If you really love something or you really love someone, you spend a good bit of time thinking about them and, and probably a pretty good bit of time talking about them. If you love football, you think about it and you talk about it and you get excited about it. I remember when, uh, and I'm probably getting in trouble for this. Well, not this service. I'll get in trouble next service. But I remember when I first met my wife. I was a youth pastor in North Carolina and... Uh, she was a first-year teacher, and she would uh, her responsibility is at the football game, she would take up money, and then at the basketball game, she would take up money. And, and so I'd gotten to know her, and it, it was a few months into the year, probably five or six months. And I just remember I'd go to the basketball game, and she'd be, she'd be out there taking up money, and our kids would be out there playing, our students would be out there playing. But, but the interesting thing about my wife is that when she would sit out there and take up money, she was one of these people that she sits there and crosses her legs, and she's one of the people that does this. Y'all know anybody like that? They always kick him. And I remember she, she used to have this pair of black shoes, and they'd be about half on and half off. And I could kind of lean up in the bleachers, and I could look out there, and I would see her out there. And I just, I just thought, you know, Jesus, she'd be a good, she'd be a good match for me. <laughs> but I would think about her because I loved her. And there are people in your life, your spouse, hopefully, <laughs> Your kids and your grandkids, you love them, and you think about them, and you talk about them. And Jesus said, if you're going to love God, you've got to think about Him. And so we need to dwell on Him, and, and, and that's what God expects of us. And so, so if we're going to love God, we've got to love Him with our heart. That means we've got we to we have some emotional and volitional love, and we've got to love Him with our soul. That's that spiritual kind of love. We've got to know Him. And then when we love Him with our mind, we've got to think about Him and dwell on Him. And then Jesus said, we've got to love God with our strength, with our strength. Now, there's a couple things that we can, uh, there's a couple ways to think of this. I, but I really think, uh, just from a practical standpoint, to love God with all our strength means that we make some choices to do some things that express our love to God. It's just physical things that we can choose to do. We all chose this morning to get up, to get dressed, hopefully brush our teeth. And we chose to come here today to sing some songs and to fellowship with some people and to listen to the Word of God, we made a physical decision, a choice to do something physical to love and honor God. And so it's, it's making, loving God with our strength is making some choices to do some things. Now part of it is the way, you know, is, is we worship. We just choose to do some things. You know, we choose to sing. We choose to clap or we choose to lift our hands, whatever it is we choose to do to express our love and our worship to God. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not going to clap or I'm not going to uh, sing or I'm not going to do that because I'm not, I'm not really good at that. Well, I sit on the front row so you can't hear me sing because you don't want to hear me sing. 
I don't sing because I'm good at it. I don't try to clap along sometimes because I'm good at it, because I'm not. In fact, uh, choir, y'all should know this. There was a lady in my church in Georgia, and every time I would clap, y'all don't know her, her name's Robin, she'd just look at me, she'd just grin, because she knew and I knew I was offbeat. <laughs> and she'd just, she'd just, she'd say, preacher, she'd just laugh. I, 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 didn't, I, I don't sing and clap because I'm good at it. I sing and clap because he's good. We, we don't worship and do things but because we're good at it or because it's good for us. It's because it's good for him. Because it's really not about us. It's about him. And he is good. And we should worship him. We should love him. We should make physical choices. We decide to do some things. And sometimes it takes effort. But there's another way, and we don't really have time to get into this, but another way that we love God with our, with our strength is we love him with our physical body. You know, the, did you know the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, a lot of times people get worked up about the church and they're, they're concerned about what happens in the church building. And you know, I think we are, you know, this is where we worship God, and that's a big thing. But listen, God doesn't live here in the building. God lives here in the heart. This is the temple. And so one of the ways we love him with our strength is we take care of his temple. Not this building, but this one. And so we make some choices and we take care of this thing. That's one of the ways we love him is we take care of it. And so Jesus said we're to love God with all our mind, with all our strength, and, and uh, with all our soul, and with all of our heart. And that's what he's commanded us to do. And that's our responsibility. And, and uh, that's what he requires of us. Now you're probably thinking, well, Mike, do you love God with all your heart? With all of your heart? And with all your soul? And with all your mind? With all your strength? Not yet. I don't yet love God as much as I want to. But I think I love God more than I used to. And my goal for me and my hope for you is that a month from now, in a year from now, we may not love God as much as we want to but that we would love God more than we used to. But if that's going to happen for you and me, we've got to make some choices. We've got to make some decisions. We've got to choose to love him because love's a choice. Some of you may remember four or five years ago, a movie came out uh, called Fireproof. About Mary, you know, you probably remember that movie. There's an interesting scene in the middle of the movie. It's 
the star Caleb has just decided, you know, he's in the middle of this love there with his wife, but he's just decided to give his life to Christ. And so they're at the fire station. He's got his, he starts talking to his buddy across the room named Michael. And, and they're talking back and forth. And he said, I'm all in. And kind of, but, they, but anyway, they get into the middle of this scene. And they get to the end of this scene. And his buddy Michael challenges him to be faithful to his wife. And in challenging him to be faithful to his wife, he says, Caleb, he says, you can't follow your heart. Because your heart can be deceptive. He says you got to lead your heart. And if you and I are going to love God more in a month, if we're going to love God more in a year, if we're going to love God more in five years, we can't afford to follow our heart. We have to lead it. We've got to decide that we're going to exercise our strength. And do what God's called us to do. And so my question for you today as we start a new year. Are you willing to join me this year in choosing to lead your heart to love God more than you ever have? Are you willing to choose today to love God more and to lead your heart? to do so. I hope you will. Would you pray with me? As you bow your heads, let me just ask you a couple things. First of all, if you're going to love him, you got to know him. There's just no way around it. You can't love something you don't know. And you can't know God unless you know Jesus. And you can't know Jesus unless you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you place your faith and trust in him. Matter of fact, in John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And so my question is, do you personally know God as your Lord and Savior through Jesus Christ? And it's yes or no. And if the answer is no, would you be willing today, this morning, right now, to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's my hope. That's my prayer for you. Hope you'll give your life to him today. But if you're already a believer, many of us are, my question to you is, are you willing today to commit to lead your heart this year to love God more? Are you willing to make that commitment? That's our invitation for today. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to go on a journey with me to lead our heart to love God this year more than ever before. Will you do that? And it's yes or no. Yes or no. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us would accept the challenge to lead our heart to love God. That every one of us would commit to a yes, God, this year, I'm going to lead my heart. I'm not going to follow it. I'm going to lead it. I'm going to choose volitionally with my strength to act and do things to help me love God with all my heart.
with all my soul, with all my mind, and all my strength. And God, I pray that we'd make that commitment this morning. Now, God, for some, to do that, they've got to give their life to Christ. But for others who are already saved, they just got to decide, I, this year I'm gonna be, it's going to be different. And God, I pray that you'd help us to do that. Father, I pray for each one of us this morning that our hearts would be set upon you, that we would focus on you, and that we would love you, and that we would honor you in everything that we do. And uh, when it's all said and done, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen to me. This morning, the, the invitation, we're not going to do an altar call. The invitation is for you to commit to lead your heart to love God this year. Now, if you've never been born again, if you've never been saved, and as I talked about giving your life to Christ, uh, and you'd like to talk about that, I'm going to be here at the front when we're dismissed. I'd love to talk with you, share with you, help you in your commitment to Christ. But the invitation is just between you and God. Are you willing to lead your heart this year to love God more than you ever have? And so I hope you'll decide to do that. Now, here's the caveat. Next Sunday, I'm going to teach you the most practical way to love God. So you've got to come back next Sunday. To, it, it, it's, it's practical. How do I do that? And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. If you need to talk about it, if you need prayer, if you need to talk about giving your life to Christ, I'll be right here. Uh, have a great day in Bible study, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. You're free to go.